0: Hallelujah, hallelujah. Our Lord, we thank you. Jesus, thank you for the sacrifice. Thank you that the blood of Christ cleanses us from all sins. Hallelujah. Thank you for the access we have into the very presence of God. Hallelujah. Oh, God, thank you that every wonderful thing that we experience in Christ today is just a foretaste of that which is coming is only the beginning of eternal life and so we thank you for all that you've done for us Jesus and now we pray that as we go into this service uh, you will continue to be with us in your presence opening our eyes Lord as your word says the the path of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn it gets brighter and brighter to the full light of day hallelujah That the entrance of your word would bring light as the scripture says bring light and lighten our path in Jesus name we pray Amen. Thank you, Brother Joel, worship team. We <laughs> be seated. So this is it, eh? For me and Kathy, <sighs> someone, a couple of people have asked me. So what's next? <laughs> There's a part of me that feels a little bit like being at home, and uh, when I get finished doing the lawn and uh, staining this, and, or painting that, Kathy says, well, I guess there's only uh, this next, right? <laughs> I don't really know what's next. You know, one of the things that I have to say is that uh, in ministry, I really believe you don't look for it if you're called, it find you. And so I know my superintendent says he wants to meet with me and has a few ideas. I don't know what that means. Could be small, could be big, could be for me, might not be for me. I have a couple of things to do this month and I'll be speaking uh, at the end of the month at a church. So I know a few things that are on the horizon, but uh, I just look forward to uh, being at home for Father's Day and or else being in Sudbury where my three boys are. But anyway, I just thank God, first of all, for the opportunity to be here and uh, for the invitation that your superintendent gave to me, a Western Ontario boy, to come over here to help you out in your time of need. And uh, for us, we just realized this was... uh, so special because of the en- enrichment that you've brought to our lives that I've just realized wow this wasn't so normally the way it goes but I'm so thankful that it did and so thank you everybody here for enriching our lives I just thank you for, as a congregation you know as a as an outsider coming in there's a warm welcome from the very first moment we came and I see that it continues Every Sunday, and warmth and welcome and uh, love that's shared. So, I just believe there's wonderful days ahead. I thank God for the church board and uh, those that were serving, and the new board members. These are wonderful people, and I just believe that with Pastor Peter. And uh, Pastor Carrie Ann coming alongside the board. There's just great days ahead. Amen. Was just, I'm so excited for you. I'm excited for Pastor Peter and Carrie Ann for next Sunday. And thank the Lord for the staff. It's been a wonderful pleasure to work with them. Pastor Connie, and uh, she just knows where everything is. And. Uh, I'm glad you only went to Cuba for a few days. <laughs> she said the internet might work. I wasn't going to bother her there, but uh, there were a few things that we just couldn't figure out till she got back here. But wonderful to work with you and uh, to serve with you, Pastor Orlando, and then Terrell while he was at the staff, and, and Dylan Fadzi, uh, just great time, and Shirley, who's you know, our bookkeeper, she's always there. And we just have some, had some wonderful times of fellowship together. And Pastor Peter's been there with, with Carrie Ann a couple of times, so that's been just great. And they all are, they're just going to fit in well. I thank the Lord for all the volunteers here, whether it's children's, youth, or uh, usher, greeter, mini, greeting ministry, many other things, joy unlimited. There's so many good things going on. And uh, so thank the Lord for all those volunteers. We realize it's not a one-person or two-person show, right? (laughs) And we do this all together. I appreciate the worship team. I appreciate Mathen and uh, Julia, Jim and Francie, opening their home to Kathy and I to go there whenever we wanted to. And for Pastor Robert and Carolyn, who left and went to the sunny south but left us their condo for almost three months, and that was nice. So we appreciate all those things. And uh, like I said our lives have been so enriched. And so, thank you. Appreciate you, and I'll never forget you. And this morning, I had to just come here early to have one more time to just walk around the sanctuary and pray. And uh, I thought back this morning to those times and various churches where I pastored or was a transition pastor and I always found one place that I could be alone with the Lord and pray and so it was kind of surreal walking around praying today thinking I'm not going to do this again I think I give these to Pastor Connie right after the service (laughs) but anyway it'll be good to Have an opportunity someday to come back and visit, so we look forward to that. Thank you so much for everything and your love and your kind words and your encouragement. Just that you love the Lord and you love His Word and you love to worship the Lord. This is the kind of church where a pastor should thrive, amen. So my last message for you today is just a message, I believe, of encouragement to what we can expect when we're in God's will. Uh, there's a, so many different titles I could give to this message. I guess I called it Acts 29. So if you look that up in your Bibles, actually you won't find it. There is no Acts 29. It, it ends at Acts 28. But we know that the book of Acts continues on, right? And so we are Acts 29, aren't we? Till Jesus comes. And uh, things that you can expect when you're in God's will. <clears throat> Something that uh, you will... Understand why I give it this title, a subtitle, Waiting for the Wind, is something that will build on last week's message, but also will be found in this particular passage of scripture. So when I was pastoring one place, there was a lady who came to a church one Sunday, and I can't remember if her husband was with her or not, but she came and introduced herself, and she introduced herself, she said, I was a witch. And uh, I was watching TV and the evangelist that was preaching said you can receive Christ. So in front of her TV, this lady who was a witch, knelt down and received Christ into her life. I would love to have been there to watch this happen because I can only imagine, because of the way I, I, I knew her firsthand, that some things must have went poo, 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 poo. <laughs> as, as the Lord came in, the devils went out, right? Well, she was a wonderful lady, and she just loved the Lord with all her heart. And her husband was a wonderful guy, and his name was George. And she wanted me to come over to visit George because George just wouldn't get saved. She wouldn't. He wouldn't get you know give his heart to the Lord like because she was just on fire, as you can imagine. Well, anyway, she had me come over, and George and I would talk. He loved to talk about creation, and he loved to talk about the Bible. Uh, but he wasn't quite ready to commit himself to the Lord because he saw such a transformation in his wife, I guess it scared him a little bit. <laughs> so he wasn't sure if he was ready for all this. But anyway, George was a great guy. He accompanied her church, and uh, but no, no commitment from George for a, a few months. And then one Sunday morning after I finished preaching my message, I gave an altar call, as we used to do in those days, and I asked people, that wanted to, who wanted to give their heart and life to Jesus. Now, if you know George, is a very shy guy, and uh, his wife was the outgoing one, and George is shy, quiet. And uh, so I said, uh, how many here would like to give their life to Jesus today and surrender your life? And George said, I was sitting in my pew, and when I said, and raise your hand, he said, I'm not raising my hand. <laughs> like that. And I think there were two or three that morning, so I said, those of you that raised your hand, I want you to stand to your feet. Well, he's shy, right? And George says, he's sitting down, he says, I'm not standing to my feet. <laughs> and so then I said, uh, I'd like you to come forward, I'd like to pray with you, those that want to receive Christ. And so George is <laughs> he's standing there, and he's shy, he doesn't want you know, to draw any attention to himself. He says, first thing I know, I'm walking up to the front. So I pray with him, he received Jesus as his Lord, and then I did the fourth bad thing. <laughs> I said, I wonder if those that are here today that made a special prayer, George, why don't you tell people what you did? <laughs> and you know what, he he took the microphone and he said, I don't know what came over me, but I just grabbed the microphone and with great confidence said, I received Jesus into my heart as my Lord and Savior, and he 's looking at himself saying it he doesn 't believe he's doing all this. You know what happened that morning? What happened that morning was not a sermon that changed things; it was the work of the Holy Spirit and i've you've heard similar type of stories, not exactly the same, of course, but things where the Holy Spirit comes and more that is the only way. We want to go forward. The book of Acts is called in our Bibles the Acts of the Apostles when it's better named the Acts of the Holy Spirit because the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the Apostles is what the book of Acts is all about. And Warden is not where it is today. Wouldn't even be here if it were not for the Holy Spirit. He is the one who draws us to Christ opens up our eyes, convinces us that we need to make a difference in our lives and if we're willing to make that first step then the Lord comes and He gives us the push, right? That extra step. So we, we, we rely on the Lord. When we look at the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, we can follow Jesus in those early days of His ministry, three some years, around three years uh, till about the age of Uh, starting about the age of 30 or so, and in the flesh, on earth, in the Middle East, that's where Jesus was ministering, teaching, doing miracles, healing, and finally being taken to an old rugged cross and crucified. When we come to the book of Acts, we have to remember, when we come to the book of Acts, that we are still seeing Jesus working, right? Because Jesus rose from the dead, (laughs) And then he ascended to heaven, and he told the disciples, Don't you dare go and try to fulfill the Great Commission until you be endued with power from on high. So go and wait in Jerusalem, and ten days later, the Holy Spirit came. They were empowered, and Peter, who was a coward, was afraid of a little girl, we thought she recognizes Galilean accent and said, you're one of those disciples. And he swore and said, no, I don't know who Jesus is. Now Peter full of the Holy Spirit is preaching a sermon and 3,000 people get saved. That's the work of the Holy Spirit that no man could ever glory. Right? And what God wants to do in our lives and in our midst is always something that people will look at and say, look at what God is doing. Amen? So we come to the book of Acts We see Jesus no longer limited in a body like he was while he was here ministering on earth. We're still watching him. He's no longer restricted of being in one place at one time. Peter would go to Babylon where he would die. Paul would minister in Rome. Thomas, they say, went to India. And Andrew, I've walked the streets of Kiev, Ukraine, and there's... St. Andrew's walkway or pathway, Andrew went there. John, well, we don't know if he died on Patmos or back in Ephesus. All these different geographic places. Because Jesus said, greater things than I'm doing, you're going to do because I go to the Father. And so the Holy Spirit is working through these different individuals and many, many others doing great and marvelous things. So I come to this passage of Scripture to close my transition time off as a little excerpt from the second missionary journey of the Apostle Paul as found in the book of Acts chapter 16. And as I said, my subtitle would be Waiting for the Wind, and my sub-subtitle would be What Things We Can Expect When We're in God's Will. So we've been praying, you've been praying for almost a year up until the time Pastor Peter came and was voted on, we were praying for God's will to be done. The church board was praying specially, interviewing. And then we brought the the couple, Pastor Peter and Carrie Ann, to the congregation and you voted. And so we believe and sense in our hearts that we're in the will of God right now. So if we're in the will of God, then I'm just saying, let me share a few things that I think can happen when we're in the will of God. I don't think, I know can happen when we're in the will of God. So, let's just start off. We're in Turkey. Paul is evangelizing. He's already been through Turkey once. He's now in his second missionary journey. And he's going through some of the old haunts. But now he wants to go to new territory. So, in chapter 16, starting at verse 6, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. And when they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Holy Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to, so they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. Very curious time for Paul the apostle. I mean, Paul just went to one town, Preached the gospel. Sometimes they tried to kill him. Sometimes he had success. Most of the time he had to flee town because the uh, Judaizers would get all upset and cause trouble for him. But Paul had been going through a strange time in his life. Strange experience for an apostle who was given the watchword, go to the Gentiles, which was strange. The Jews thought the gospel would be for them. He's told to go to the Gentiles. He comes to the border of this new territory and he's forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the gospel, forbidden to go and enter Bithynia, so he passes by even Mysia, and he ends up at Troas and if you had a map in front of you and you saw Turkey and it would look like this, over here on this corner, up in the northeast northwest corner is this place called Troas. He's reached the limits of that particular area, the country we now know as Turkey. And it was a time of groping for Paul and uncertainty. The book of Acts is written by Luke. Luke records all the things that are happening in the missionary journeys of Paul, and they're all included in there. But everything he wanted to do was shut, the doors were shut, and I'm sure as we If we were to sit down with some of the church board members, that they would say they looked at resumes, and as they prayed, the Lord would shut the door. The Holy Spirit would say, no, not that one. No, not that one. No, not that way. And so this is the kind of thing goes on during a transition. It's a time of trying to discover the will of God and not always understanding why the Holy Spirit doesn't say, here's the person, go with this person first. We don't understand it. But God knows what's best, doesn't he? He knows what's best for a warden, and so that we have to trust that the Lord would do that. There was a prayer that someone prayed, and he said, Oh, to go not where I may choose, even by my love for the Lord. Because Paul just loved Jesus and wanted to share the gospel in Asia. But where I am driven by the Lord's command. So Paul is being driven by the Holy Spirit, and he doesn't know where he's going, but he just knows where he's not supposed to go. Someone else said it's better to go with Troas with God than anywhere else in the world without him. <laughs> right? And that's about where he is. The Holy Spirit preventing and hindering and guiding, opening and closing doors. And so Paul keeps hearing this word from the Holy Spirit. No, not there. No, not there. And so he and his companions are traveling along until they reach the, the northwest tip of the country of Turkey, On that, I believe it's the Aegean Sea that's up there. And so that's where they are when we come to this place. But the Holy Spirit. So one of the first things you do, if you're in God's will, you can expect him to lead. He doesn't always lead the way you expect, but you can expect that he will lead. And he has led them to Troas. So it says uh, the next thing that you can expect, I believe, is that God will give vision to the leader. In verse 9 it says, During the night... Paul had a vision of a man in Macedonia, standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So they get to Troas, they still don't know where God wants them to go, and Paul has a vision at night, a dream. And in that vision is a man from Macedonia, where they need the gospel, and the man in Macedonia says, come over and help us, those of us that are in Macedonia. And so I would say, when you're in God's will, expect that God is going to speak through Pastor Peter and the board and lead us and guide us. The third thing I'd like to believe is what you find in the 10th verse. It says, after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. The Macedonian call comes and Paul the apostle I mean, there's no other apostle like Paul. Paul, we would assume, could get up in the morning and say, Well, boys, I heard what the Lord wants us to do. He wants us to go to Macedonia. I had a vision, and everybody said, Okay, whatever you say, Paul. But That's not what happened, because that's not how the church is supposed to happen. Luke is writing this, and he says, Paul gathered everybody together, and he says, You know, I had this vision last night of a man in Macedonia saying, Come over and help us. And the way Luke writes it, If we were living in today's day, you would say it like this. So I called the board and the elders and the deacons, and we we, we prayed about it, and we thought about it, we talked about it, and we decided, Move seconded, carried, we're going. You see what it says? We concluded that God had called us to preach the gospel. One of the big mistakes that we made for centuries in the church was that the pastor was the hired gun. We're pastors, you know. Pastor Connie and I, Pastor Orlando, we're the hired guns. You pay us to do the work of the ministry, right? <laughs> Winky Pratt, and he said years ago, that uh, the first Reformation took place during the time of Martin Luther, when he said, "Hold it! <laughs> Enough of this. The people need to get the word of God, not just the laity." And have it spoken in Latin that they don't understand. So the first Reformation was when they took the word of God out of the hands of the clergy, the pastors, and gave it to everyone. Hallelujah for the first Reformation, right? Winky Pratt and he said, the second Reformation, which I believe we're in the middle of, is when they get the work of the ministry out of the hands of the pastors and into everybody's hands. Hallelujah. We see it happening. We see it happening here. You know, every, the only pe- there's more than two or three people that are called pastors here that are doing the work. Many people are doing the work of the ministry. And when you go to the book of Ephesians, God says to, through Paul, I gave you pastors and prophets and apostles and evangelists and teachers to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. So I'm not the hired gun. And if I'm not doing my job... It will mean that I'm doing everybody's job. <laughs> so that's the difference. And so Paul, you know, he's get these, you get these ideas about Paul, like whatever you say, Paul. If you tell us to go walk off of that cliff, we'll walk off that cliff. No, no, it wasn't like that. Luke says, we concluded that God had called Paul, no, called us to preach the gospel. Isn't interesting? So expect God to confirm his will through the leadership All big decisions in Pentecostal churches are made not by one person or a couple of people on the board, but it's made as with the leaders of the church, those that are members, all decide together this is the will of God. And so I kind of like the way we do it in PAOC in that respect. So a picture here, I think I go back to the other one, yeah. So there's the hired gun, right? And back in the day, the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, whatever it was, the pastor would be hired, and he would try to carry everything and do everything and get paid well. But after about four or five years, like, you know, so you just pass it on. So the average stay of a pastor back in the 70s and 80s it might have been four or five years. It was only because only the exceptional person could actually carry that much load. But God's will is that it works the other way. Amen? There's not one person that's going to see the great days of Word and Full Gospel Assembly. It's going to be a team. Amen? And so let's believe that that's the way God wants it to happen. Amen? So we come to the verse that helps me with my subtitle, Expect the Wind. It says in verse 11, From Troas we put out to sea and we sailed straight for Macedonia or Samothrace, and the next day, we went on to Neapolis. It says we acted, they acted at once. Once they knew what God's will was, they decided that's what they're going to do. And it takes them less than two days to get there. Now, this is before the days of motorized outboards and, and ships and all of that. In Acts chapter 20, a few chapters later, the same distance... Takes five days. Two days, five days. Why? It's only going to be one reason, and that's they had the wind with them, and so they were had the wind. The wind brought them there in two days, when it normally would take five days. And I believe, because Warden Full Gospel Assembly is in the will of God, that there are dreams, and that there are ideas. For ministry and what God wants to do. That I'm just believing that instead of waiting five years, we have to wait two years maybe. We're just going to believe that the wind is in the sails. So I just believe that God is coming. He's breathing on this congregation. And we're going to see things happen faster than we would normally expect them. Because we're in the will of God. They were in the will of God and they said, go to Macedonia. They get there. Whoa, the wind brings them there right away. Because they decided to follow the Lord and be in the will of God. So we first of all have the call, go to Macedonia, the obedience, right away we go, and the win. Great combination. And that goes for our personal lives as well. God says to us to do something, we obey, expect the Lord to help. And boy, if you don't answer right away, (laughs) sometimes it takes a lot longer to get around to, obeying the Lord and fulfilling what he wants. Jesus said in John 3, 8, The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going, and so is it with everyone born of the Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. Paul's ship was guided by the the wind of the Holy Spirit. Well, when you're in God's will, you can expect to witness God's amazing strategy. Philippi, of all places, That's the gateway to Macedonia or Europe, as it was called in those days. It says, From there we sailed to, traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony and the leading city in the district of Macedonia. And we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river, where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. You see, Philippi is a strategic city in Rome. It's not only the gateway to Europe and a great place to start your missionary endeavors, but it's also a significant city in the Roman Empire. Back in 42 BC, um, Augustus defeats Brutus. And it's a great victory, and Rome is thrilled. So they immediately sent colonists to Philippi from Rome, to this eastern Macedonian outpost at Philippi. the appointed magistrates, and what they did was they reproduced Rome in miniature form. And they were, they were so... Pr- Philippi was the pride of Rome because it was like the city of Rome in miniature form. It was built to look like Rome. It was the pride. It was ruled, and it was maintained by Rome. And by now, the church... Jerusalem has been birthed since Pentecost for 20 years or so. But Rome, the empire ruling the world, has no idea that the vanguard of the army, of its ultimate conqueror, has now placed the flag in Philippi. A significant city, leading city of that whole area. You know, Daniel had this vision of four world empires, the Babylonian, the gold, The Medes and the Persians, the silver, the Greek Empire, and the final one of bronze. And then, of course, the iron one, the Roman one. And the iron one is the one that is is in power right now. And God is about ready to break the power of the Roman Empire. And so the gospel comes to the Roman Empire and they don't even have an idea that what's going on. The world has no idea of what's just about to happen, because the gospel's going to go forth from Philippi into all of Europe. But the Lord knows, and you know what, the devil knows too, because we're going to find that out as we read along in this chapter. So Paul and his team, they stick to the basics, the important things. He says, well, now that we're here, we just settle down, let's find a place of prayer. Isn't that wonderful? Prayer, the foundation for all good works that God will ever do, is prayer. We expected to find a place of prayer. So it says in verse 14, one of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira, named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. She said, "'If you consider me a believer in the Lord, come and stay at my house.'" And she persuaded us. <laughs> Could you just imagine what kind of a lady this is? She persuaded us. <laughs> strong, strong woman leader. I think she was probably the pastor of the church in Thyatira at one time. And uh, went back there, but we don't know that for sure. She was a dealer in purple dye. Special dye from a special shellfish. Back in 1900, it was worth about 500 to to $1,000 a pound over a hundred years ago she was a worshiper of God but she didn't know Jesus what does that mean she was a Greek she saw Judaism said I like this God I believe this is the only true God she made the decision to leave her heathen gods and beliefs and follow the one true God the God of Israel now along comes Paul the apostle and says you're on the right track But Jesus is the Messiah, and he's the Savior of not only the Jews, but of all the world. And the Lord opens her eyes, and she gets saved. And then she opens up her home. And I just want you to think about this word, opened, for a minute. It says, the Lord opened her heart. So she's sitting there listening. She's already a pretty strong lady, very persuasive. She made a big decision to change from her religion to Judaism. And it says, the Lord opened her heart as he spoke. As Pastor Peter and others come and preach from this pulpit, the Lord will open hearts. Amen. I've heard of people coming in to disrupt a service and the Holy Spirit get a hold of their hearts and they get saved. Amen. It says, the Lord opened her heart. That word opened in the Greek, thanatos, a very interesting word. I relate to it so well, because if you think in the next picture here, I think there's a picture of some fishing line or something, isn't there? There you go. That, I, I lived that for a few years when I'd take my four younger sisters fishing. And we fished off the shore where there were a few trees, and I spent the whole afternoon disentangling their fishing lines. Well, I learned rather quickly that you don't disentangle a fishing line. You just get the knife out. (laughs) Because you could be there all day just trying to get one of those messes, right? But do you know what it means? It means to thoroughly disentangle open. So what happened was Lydia comes to the service, or she's already at the service. It's a place of prayer. And now she hears something brand new. Jesus is the Messiah, the hope of Israel. She hears it, and it's like God grabs one end of the tangled up thinking and tangled up life, grabs the other end, and goes like this, and it's straight. That is the miracle of salvation. And that's what happened to that lady that I told you about. She sat in front of the TV. She heard of the gospel. Her life was so entangled. I mean, she was a witch. Just like that, she believed. Her life changed. When we give our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ, he changes us. People come into this church tangled up lies, messed up with the philosophy of the age that we live in, messed up in drugs, messed up with all kinds of hurts from the past. You name it. Atheists, agnostics, the Holy Spirit, if we faithfully preach, if we make this a place of prayer, he will do a work that we could never do. As good as Pastor Peter's best sermon will ever be, only the Holy Spirit can open the heart. But isn't that a beautiful word? He opened her heart. So casual in English, just open her heart. Right? But that's what God will do, I believe, as we're in the will of God. And since you are, I expect that. So her open heart led to an open home and eventually an open continent. So never underestimate the importance or the significance of, when the message of the Lord is given to one man or woman young or old, and they re- respond, who knows the next Billy Graham right who knows well I'll go quickly through the rest of the story because I just find it so encouraging for us at this point we can expect deliverances from the po- from and under the from the power of Satan it says once when we were going to the place of prayer we were met. By a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money from her owners by fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. Sounds like a good thing to say, but when a demon's saying it, it's not quite the same, is it? She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, not to the girl, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit left her. When you're in the will of God, expect that no matter what the devil throws at us, we have power in Jesus' name. Amen? In Jesus' name, there's power. There's power in the blood. And so we don't have to fuss with all this. We just believe that God is going to be with us and God is going to do great things. I don't know why Paul waited so long. I would imagine there would have been a few people in the church pretty upset. Why don't you just talk to that person? But we just leave things for the right time. When you're in God's will, you can expect opposition. Well, this little girl who was able to tell the future and make all kinds of money for her owners, well, she has no power left to do that. It says, when her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas, dragged them into the... The marketplace, to face the authorities, they brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews, and they're throwing our city into an uproar. Money, money. (laughs) By advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice, the crowd joined in the attack. They didn't even know what was going on. They just wanted to have a a fight, a riot. A lot like today, right? (laughs) The magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they were severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. And when he received these orders, he put them into the inner cell and fastened their feet with stocks. When you're in God's will and you start seeing people like Lydia get saved, you start seeing people get set free from demonic oppression, possession, whatever you want to call it, all of those things. When you see that happening, you can expect that there's going to come some opposition, as soon as we get into the devil's territory and we start bringing captive those that are in the place of darkness and bringing them into the kingdom of light. So expect opposition. And this is what happened. But praise God, and these guys were beaten severely. Praise God, you can also expect the grace to endure. It says about midnight, Paul and Silas, I'm sure they were bleeding and they were hurting but they were praying and they were singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. You don't do that unless God gives you grace. When the enemy comes in, like a flood, the Lord will raise up a standard. He'll give you the grace and he gave the grace to Paul and Silas and here they are singing while they're bleeding at midnight in this inner cell, like this is not just a nice comfortable little cot. Second thing that you can... Expect when you're in God's will, let's expect miracles. Amen. Let's believe that the days ahead for Warden are going to be days when we see miracles. Suddenly, while these men are singing and praising God at midnight, it says there was a violent earthquake, the foundations of the prison were shaken, and at once the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Hallelujah. Boy, if we can just endure, receive the grace of God, sing out of our prisons, and pray, we're going to see miracles happen. Amen. This is what I believe is going to happen here. And when you're in God's will, not only expect miracles, but expect the unexpected. The jailer doesn't run in with his sword to kill Paul, (laughs) He decides he's going to take his own life because he knows he's as good as dead because he figures everyone has escaped. The jailer woke up and he saw the prison doors open. He drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We're all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, fell trembling before Paul and Silas. And then he brought them out and asked, sir, what do I need to be saved? What do I need? (laughs) Right? What do I need to do to get what you have? (laughs) Expect the unexpected. Who would have thought? I mean, these were the most cruel people that you could ever imagine. The most ungodly, cruel, miserable people, these jailers. And instantly, the power of God comes upon them, and he says, I want to get saved. Hallelujah that's unexpected when we pray and when you pray in these days that are before you as you pray as a congregation as you pray as an individual let's expect miracles amen let's expect the grace of god to help you endure whatever challenges you face as warden as individuals but let's expect the unexpected who knows who would have thought that the jailer would give his heart to the lord and the next part's really exciting about the jailer verse 31 I say you can expect household salvations, right? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved in your house. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all the others in his house. And at that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. And immediately he and his whole house were baptized. The jailer brought them into the house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. Well, let's just believe God. That in the days that are before us, someone's going to come in from a family, and they're going to get saved. Amen. Whether it's a young person, a mom or a dad, daughter, son, and they're going to bring mom or dad out, and they're going to get saved. The first thing we know, the whole family's sitting there saved. Hallelujah! That's the way the gospel works. And so I'm just praying and and trusting that in the days ahead, you will see these things happen because you are in the will of God. Pastor Peter is coming here. We prayed about it. What a great vote we had to say. Yes, we believe this is God's person to lead us and be our pastor. So we can expect some wonderful things that are going to happen. The last thing I would say, verse 35, is that you can expect for God to turn night into day. When it was daylight, the magistrates sent their officers to the jailer with the order, release those men. The jailer told Paul, the magistrates have ordered you and Silas to be released. Now you can leave, go in peace. Hallelujah. My prayer for you is that all of these things that we can expect when we're in God's will will come to reality for warden church. I'll be so excited. I'm excited for next Sunday. I'm excited for Pastor Peter and Carrie Ann as they come. But when when we're in God's will, let's expect God to do great things. Amen. Expect the Holy Spirit to lead the church leadership, to open and to close doors. Expect a vision to come to the leadership of what the next Macedonian looks like. Expect his confirmation In the congregation, as the leadership shares, this is what we believe God wants us to do. There will come that assurance. Yes, let's get at it, (laughs) right? Let's do it. Expect the wind in your sails, amen? Hmm. Expect the Holy Spirit to come and do things in your midst here that you might have thought, well, it's going to take a few years now to... No, why not sooner, amen? Why not? Expect to witness God's amazing strategy. Philippi, of all the cities, significant, key city. Expect God's amazing strategy as the Holy Spirit goes before you. Expect Him to disentangle lives like Lydia. Raise her up to be a great leader in the church. Expect God to deliver those that are oppressed by the devil when we pray in the name of Jesus. Expect opposition as God brings and the Holy Spirit brings light into the dark areas. Expect the Holy Spirit to give you grace to endure whatever challenges you're going to face. Expect the Holy Spirit to do miracles. Expect the Holy Spirit to do the unexpected. Expect the Holy Spirit to save whole families. Expect the Holy Spirit to be sovereignly working to bring about special surprises and miracles along the way. Expect the Holy Spirit to turn the night into day. But most importantly, expect the wind. Amen? Hallelujah. Let's stand together. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh yes, I got one more page, it's almost done here. During World War II, Frank McInnes wrote about this munitions factory that was in Australia during World War II. And uh, around the factory were these letters I-A-D-O-M. And this factory was producing munitions like no other factory. You could imagine, I-A-D-O-M, large posters all over. And so the visitor said, what does I-A-D-O-M stand for? It all depends on me. So those people that worked in that factory during World War II said, it all depends on us, let's pull together, amen? And I'm thinking today that we would not quite have that. It does not depend on us. It depends on God. Amen? The future of this church depends on you and me, but it also depends on God and the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we pray. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for each person here today. Some may be visiting for the very first time, I don't know, but I pray that the Holy Spirit will have done a work in their hearts and they'll be able to take it home. I thank you for this wonderful congregation whose love my wife and I have been able to experience and our lives have been enriched and changed for good because of them. May you bless each and every home represented here. Bless Pastor Peter, Carrie Ann, as they prepare to come with their their family. Bless them, give them a powerful ministry here. Bless the staff of the church, bless the church board, bless all the workers. Lord God, it depends on us looking to you and depending on you to see the greatest days that could possibly happen for this church. Thanking you for the history and all the victories, but expecting more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.